0: Episode 185, 185, and Bienvenidos, bitches. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and those that are other than the victims. Because, contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are straight, cisgender, white dudes. These what? crimes, I'm doing it's Black History Month, so I'm trying to do my Martin Luther King impression. <laughs> These crimes rarely get any public attention nah, because uh, the news is racist. Uh,
1: allegedly. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy, a black Latinx woman. And I'm Beth and I just happen to be white. Hey, she is a good white person.
0: She's an ally. <laughs> one of the good. I'm all right. Good ones. Yes. We love her for it.
1: <laughs> We're not journalists, and investigators or psychologists, just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. And with that said, who- Are we talking about today, Beth? Well, this is part two of our story on Juan David Ortiz, a Border Patrol agent turned serial killer. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, go on back and listen to it and we'll meet you right back here. That's right. Estas son las mañanitas
0: que cantaba Juan David. El asesinato Border Patrol. And it is part two with me. Now. (laughs) Uh before we get into it, how you doing?
1: I'm all right. Nothing really to report back. How about you? Things
0: are good. Um so it's Black History Month and right. I'm just so grateful that we moved to Georgia so my kids have black teachers and they're learning about Black history in a way that they never would have if we were right, in Arizona. Right. So one of my son's questions on his essay tonight was, do you think Black history should be limited to one month? And it, he's just listing all these facts. Slavery lasted for 250 years. Wow. He goes, well, he, I heard it because he dictates, he doesn't type. He goes, it should be the whole year. It's the least they can do. <laughs> <laughs> that's my boy, A boy after <laughs> your own heart yeah. that's right <laughs> <laughs> so proud of him so yeah no things are good black history month is uh, just finding all the wonderful things to enjoy about blackness and awesome. life and it's great um tell your friends so uh now we're going to get into some listener
1: Letters. Well, hello, angels. (sighs) I just love that sweet, sweet sound. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What is in that bag, Beth? Well, we got an Instagram DM from Ronnie. Okay. What did Ronnie have to say? Well, uh, Ronnie said that they're a teacher. Okay. And they wanted to let us know that they love what we're doing and how we do it, that we're a safe space and open in our dialogue. And because of how we speak to each other and to our listeners. They now feel more comfortable talking about and reaching out for help with their mental health.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it.
1: And uh, the biggest takeaway, though, they said, is that they thought they were being an ally. It's not enough just to not be racist, but you have to be Mm anti-racist. And they thought they were but Wendy's Culture Corner and tips for how to talk to racist people have helped them so much.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm going to cry. Glory to your alert. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so they just said thank you. And they're learning so much and uh, that they love us.
0: Oh, Ronnie. Well, we love you. That's what it's all about. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why we, you know, started the shows. This. It was an yeah. opportunity to like have conversations and we're not perfect at it but you know it's a start and um we're so glad that it's helping everybody including you on your journey to be like a better citizen of the the world so hip-hop air horns to ronnie
1: yeah thank you ronnie yeah. What else is in that bag? Oh, well, we got a Twitter DM from Tracy. Oh, what's up, Tracy? About our recent episode on uh, Celeste Simone Carrington. Oh, yes. And Tracy worked with Dr. Alan Marks for many years. Wow. Yeah. The doc who was uh, the surviving yes. victim. Yes. Wow. Who yep. was shot. Whew. Yeah. And uh, they said that evidently the doctor came to the nursery in his hospital gown and robe to see his newborn patients while he was a patient himself oh, and wow. he has since retired and he was a sweet quiet gentle doctor
0: oh that's beautiful
1: yeah oh, man
0: well thank you tracy for filling us in i love tracy tracy is really active with us on twitter and whenever we miss something or we're like sometimes you and i will have a dialogue and we're like i don't know what that means don't fact check us we move on and tracy's <laughs> like <"H> państwo, <laughs> hello i, well, I do know what that means so tra- <laughs> no so tracy is like a wealth of information we we really appreciate you tracy so well, hip-hop awesome. air horns to tracy yeah thank you tracy Oh my God, we got a new Patreon and her name is Veronica B. And guess what? Woo-hoo. It's Beth's friend. Yeah, it's my friend. I, yeah. I met Veronica once at a pate at yes. Beth's house and I love her too. um <laughs> Be my friend too, Veronica. Um, but uh, we have a little tune for you. Thank you for supporting our show. um Let me do the hip hop air horns now because I'm a forgetful <laughs> Uh Okay. Let's thank Veronica, baby. Let's thank for being a fruity. Let's thank Veronica, B being a patron. Uh, uh, uh. Let's thank Veronica. Let's thank <laughs> Veronica, baby, 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 And Veronica, thank you so much. I hope you yeah, enjoyed that. thank you. Somebody told me a secret that you like 90s hip hop. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed <laughs> it. And if you hate it, don't tell me. Also, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into the story when we come back. Oh, right whoo We are back. Remind us, Beth, who is our subject
1: today? Our subject today is Juan David Ortiz, a Border Patrol agent in Laredo, Texas, who went on a nearly two-week-long serial killing spree in September of 2018, murdering four women and attempting to murder a fifth. And this is part two.
0: Okay, so we're going to do a recap for those of y'all who tuned in last week. And
1: are like, what happened? I don't remember. So fill us in, Beth. Take us there. Well, Juan David Ortiz was born in Brownsville, Texas, where he lived with his mother and three younger siblings. He had a pretty normal childhood, as far as we know, and didn't get into any trouble. In July of 2001, he enlisted in the Navy and became an emergency medical technician trained to provide trauma care during combat.
0: Beginning at the age of 19, he served in Kuwait and Baghdad during the Second Gulf War with a platoon of Marines who called him Doc. When he was home on leave, he married a woman named Daniela, who he'd gone to high school with. In 2005, he was stationed in San Antonio. In 2009, he left... left the Navy and joined the Border Patrol. In
1: 2015, he and his family, which now included two children, moved to Laredo. By 2017, Ortiz had been promoted to the position of intelligence supervisor. But all was not well. Ortiz made comments to a Marine buddy that he felt like he was back in Iraq, going to war every day. And the Marine buddy suspected that he was experiencing long-repressed PTSD. He had also started drinking heavily.
0: In 2018, Ortiz began frequenting the block in Laredo, a four-block area on San Bernardo Avenue that is known as a hotspot for sex work. He'd ask for sex, but sometimes he just wanted to go for a drive and talk. He also told a friend that he had a girlfriend and showed him a picture of the woman on his phone.
1: On September 3rd, 2018, the body of Melissa Ramirez, 29, was found on the side of a dirt road in a remote part of the county, 24 miles north of Laredo. She'd been shot in the head. One of the people tasked with assisting in the investigation was none other than Juan David Ortiz. <gasps>
0: Santa Maria hey by the way when, when we were baby podcasters when this case started uh-huh. and people were messaging us like have you heard about it have you heard about it and we knew about it was on our radar but it hadn't yeah. concluded yet right there was right. It, th- it hadn't been we cover cases that are usually finalized somebody's been convicted Gone through trial. Yes. Yeah. yeah so anyway um, I'm just taking my mind back to that time back 2018. Yeah. it was a very good year actually
1: pre-pandemic years yes
0: remember remember so before times (laughs) yeah so when Ortiz's friend saw Melissa's photo in the newspaper he was struck by her resemblance to Ortiz's girlfriend but he convinced himself that he was mistaken because he thought Ortiz was a good guy who would never visit the blocks let alone murder a woman so now we're gonna hop on back into the timeline splish splash
1: For 10 days after Melissa's murder, investigators made little progress. At one point, one of the investigators called in a request to the South Texas Border Intelligence Center asking for help in finding a sex worker named Claudine Luera, 42, who occasionally worked San Bernardo Avenue and who had told others that she had an idea about who was behind the killings.
0: Uh Oh, closing in. So Claudine had grown up in a neighborhood near downtown Laredo, where she and her sisters were referred to as Las Blanquitas, meaning the whiteys, because they were biracial and had light skin. After school, Claudine had worked for a time as a clerk
1: for the district attorney's office. Wow, that's an impressive gig. Yeah, but according to her sister Angie, something happened to her as a child. Although Claudine never disclosed what it was, Angie knew it was something terrible. Claudine eventually began struggling with heroin addiction, and by 2015, she was working on the blocks.
0: I, I should also say that this time, 2015, 2018, the heroin and opioid epidemic numbers were at unprecedented levels. Yeah, yeah. so um, she also could be a victim of that as well. Right, so right. after Melissa was murdered, Claudine took a cab to the apartment of her eldest child who was in college studying to become a nurse. Claudine said she was scared and wanted to leave her life as a sex worker. But within a few days, Claudine was back on the blocks.
1: On the morning of September 13th, the day after the request for help in finding Claudine, a truck driver found Claudine loire's body less than two miles from where Melissa's body had been found. She was dressed in a pink sweater and blue jeans and had been shot in the head at close range. Nearby were forty caliber bullet casings.
0: Mm, that's so sad. And she was so, my understanding, was really excited and proud of her um, child who was in college. Right. Um. Amazingly, she had survived long enough Enough to crawl out of the grass where she had been shot to a place on the verge of the road where she was visible. And when the driver stepped down from his cab, he saw that she was still alive. She was taken to the hospital, but died later that day.
1: The cops initially tried to keep Claudine's murder quiet. Ugh. What? Okay. Yeah. I. I. I
0: <laughs> if you are new here, Wendy hates the police. I'm a police abolitionist. They never solve. They solve 2% of violent crimes. Um, Their homicide solve rate is abysmal. They don't come until after something bad happens and they're messy ass fucking hoes.
1: Okay. Sorry. I'll tinder up. That's
0: all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm done. <laughs> so yeah, that's, I hate when they do this. Um, yeah. Let's, let's pretend like everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Well, because they don't
0: want to look bad is what, yeah. what it comes down to. Because if they look bad, then their budgets don't grow. And their budgets are ridiculous because the yeah. illusion is that they do, they are useful and they are not. So,
1: okay. All right.
0: Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll,
0: say any word that starts with C and I'll, and I'll hop in on my cop rant. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs>
1: I'm going to stay away from that.
0: And another thing. (laughs) I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the police told the local news media only that a woman had died at Laredo Hospital after suffering head trauma. But reporters connected the crimes and the news spread fast.
0: Investigators searched for clues to any men who had recently picked up Claudine. They got a few more names, which they passed on to Ortiz at the South Texas Border Intelligence Center. He and his team waded through photographs. <laughs> Ortiz is like, hmm, this looks familiar. Like, can you just pick? Like, what What a like! That's not. It's just a a mockery of the entire process. Uh, Anyway, he and his team waded through photographs from border patrol cameras positioned near the road where Claudine had been found. But Ortiz soon reported back that none of the vehicles were owned by men on the list of possible suspects. Oh my! What happened?
1: I wonder if while he's looking at the photographs, he's looking for like any um, sign of himself of himself, right? So he could pull it out.
0: Oh. Yeah. A hundred percent. I a hundred percent think that that is what happened.
1: Right. On the evening of September 14th, about 36 hours after Claudine's body was discovered, Erica Pena, 27, was walking San Bernardo when she saw a white Dodge Ram pickup headed her way. Pena knew the driver who went by David. They had had several dates at his house together for months and she liked him. That night he was happy and talkative.
0: She got into his pickup and he drove her to his home, explaining that his wife and children were out of town for the weekend. Once inside, they talked for a few minutes as she smoked a cigarette. At one point, Peña asked Ortiz if he knew anything about what had happened to her friend Melissa Ramirez. And I just, I love that she wasn't afraid to inquire about this
1: so he told her he was the next to last person to have sex with melissa and that he was worried investigators would find his dna that's when he stopped smiling and began to act weird she later said
0: he uh, that's also weird that he said he was the next to last person You know, like,
1: well, yeah, because if he was the last person, well, then then it's
0: totally him. But if he was the next to last.
1: Right. And how would he know that?
0: Hands clean. Exactly. And I think men underestimate women, especially women who are not in traditional positions in society, i.e. sex work. And he might have underestimated her intelligence because of her occupation. And that was his mistake. So um, she felt a sudden realization that Ortiz had murdered her friends, Melissa Ramirez and Claudine Luera. Overcome with sudden nausea, she burst out of the front door of the home and vomited in the driveway. Ortiz cleaned the mess with a garden hose.
1: Saying that she was sick and needed to go to the store, they got back into the pickup and Ortiz stopped at a gas station to buy her some food. When he returned to the truck, Pena brought up her friends again. In response, he reached into a side compartment of the driver's side door and pulled out a black pistol, aiming it directly at her. Whoa! What a response!
0: Wow, that escalated so quickly. Quickly, Uh, yeah. Wow, like right
1: in the parking lot. What the fuck is he thinking?
0: Right, and um, you know, remember he's struggling with PTSD, and I think that might have and and drinking heavily, so his like logic and impulse control completely out the window. window. I'm not an OG of two crime. That's totally speculation, but I think (laughs) that. Might support why she asked a simple question and the answer was gun in the face. So Peña threw open the passenger door and leaped out of the truck. David reached out and snatched at her shirt, ripping it off as she got away. A DPS trooper also happened to be parked at the station pumping gas. Wearing only a bra, Erica ran toward him screaming that a man was trying to kill her. But by then Ortiz had driven away. OhioMysteries.com.
1: Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime, Psychology, and Personality. On my podcast, I explore
0: and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and
1: antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective.
0: So now it is time for the investigation and the arrest. What the
1: what, Beth? The trooper took Pena to the Webb County Sheriff's substation where the Texas Rangers and Sheriff's detectives arrived to question her. She told them everything she knew and was able to show them where the man lived. The house belonged to a Border Patrol agent named Juan David Ortiz.
0: I'm not sure if that's how... That's typical of how to handle victims of uh, sex crimes. Um, take them to the station. I, I don't know. And, yeah, don't, and question know her either. as if she was a criminal. I don't know. It's giving. Um, it's giving me bad vibes. I don't know. I can't. Okay put my finger on it. But by the time a SWAT team broke into the house, it was empty. Although they did find an arsenal of guns. Assuming Ortiz would flee Laredo, they put a bolo, a be on the lookout on him. But Ortiz had not fled from Laredo. Instead, after he'd left the gas station, he drove to his house, loaded up on ammo, and then returned to San Bernardo.
1: There he picked up 35-year-old Giselda Hernandez Cantu, a mother of four. People knew her as Chelly and has been described as quiet and seldom in trouble. Ortiz drove up Interstate 35 with Chelly for 20 minutes. Then he stopped at an overpass near a truck stop and demanded that she get out. He shot her twice in the neck, then cracked her over the head with what one investigator would later describe as a blunt object.
0: (sighs) That's a lot. Um, Overkill. And one source explained that it may have been because his first victim didn't die right away and struggled and that he didn't want that to happen again. So overkill means, you know, you don't have to watch the person that you shot suffer right I feel like I'm I don't have any smart words coming out of my mouth but I hope you understand
1: <laughs> what I'm saying yeah I do I'll, yeah also, but I don't I don't know it's just so weird that he his first thought is to load up on ammo and go back and find a woman to kill
0: yeah but if I, I wonder if the writing was on the wall for him at that point and he was just like go big or go home you know
1: yeah but I don't I still don't get it
0: <laughs> hey <laughs> Look, <laughs> you know, I don't either. I uh, I have a lot of empathy for a lot of things. This particular scenario, not, not this right here this, no. right here, this uh, right here, no. Um, yeah. So he got back into his pickup and immediately drove back to San Bernardo, where he pulled up beside two women, one of them, 28-year-old Janelle Ortiz, no relation, by the way, because they have the same last name, who was a trans woman. When Ortiz asked if either of the women would like to be his date for the evening, Janelle stepped forward.
1: Although Janelle... Nell's family was supportive of her identifying as a transgender woman, saying her happiness was all that mattered. Across the country and around the world, transgender people, especially transgender women of color, face bias, discrimination, and violence. It's an epidemic. Mm -hmm. Limited access to education, employment, health care, and social services can result in higher rates of poverty and homelessness. These dire circumstances can lead some to become involved in survival sex work. Yes,
0: Although on Facebook Janelle used the name Nikki Enriquez, Enriquez is her mother's maiden name, her family said she asked everyone to call her Janelle and most commonly went
1: by Janelle Ortiz. Janelle was the second oldest of five children. Her family described her as an incredibly caring person who had a lot of friends and was beloved by the local LGBTQ community. She lived in Laredo between family members' homes, hotels, and the streets.
0: So I just admire, like this, it took a lot for her to survive yeah. and just her spirit of not giving up it, in spite yeah. of the circumstances. Yeah. Being trans, being a woman of color, not having resources, and still is, you know, full of joy and living as best as she can. Yeah. Um, so I admire that of our um, fallen trans sister. So anyway, uh, her sister Rose said she was worried about her constantly, especially when it rained and she didn't know where Janelle was. She believed Janelle was using drugs and wasn't always sure if she had a place to stay. She said she had a dream to give Janelle somewhere she could always go, where she could always be safe.
1: Ortiz drove with Janelle 15 miles up the interstate and pulled over. He ordered her to get out of the truck and walk behind a pile of nearby gravel. Like Claudine Luera and Erica Pena, Janelle had confronted Ortiz. Her family believes that she showed courage and defiance. Mm. They were told that her last words were, If you're going to do it, then do it, unquote.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. So Ortiz shot her in the head. Janelle was survived by her parents four siblings, and numerous loved ones. He had killed two women in less than two hours on the same day? Yeah. But he wasn't finished. He headed back towards San Bernardo, but he stopped along the way at a convenience store to use the bathroom, leaving his pistol in his truck.
1: A DPS trooper alerted by the BOLO identified his truck and attempted to stop Ortiz as he exited the store. Another officer arrived and tried to bring down Ortiz with a taser, but missed. Ortiz sprinted south on San Bernardo and died. Into a hotel parking garage.
0: As a SWAT team closed in on the third floor of the parking garage where Ortiz was hiding in the bed of a truck, he used his phone to post two messages on his own Facebook page. One, quote, to my wife and kids, I love you, end quote. And the other, quote, Doc Ortiz checks out, farewell, end quote. Um, Not a,
1: I was gonna say, I mean, he's not Shakespeare. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. A friend who lived almost 1,800 miles away in Sacramento read Ortiz's posts and, afraid Ortiz was preparing to kill himself, immediately tried to call him. But Ortiz didn't answer. He stayed in the bed of the truck for nearly an hour, finally emerging at 2.34 a.m. with his hands raised. He was handcuffed and taken to the sheriff's substation, where he was read his rights.
0: Now, at first, Ortiz refused to talk to investigators. Then he requested a photo of his wife and kids. He said that he wanted to keep the picture while he was jailed to await trial. Ortiz explained that he deeply loved his family. And he wanted always to be able to look at their faces.
1: Ortiz was interrogated for almost 10 hours. Hmm. At first, he denied everything. Finally, in a matter-of-fact voice, he acknowledged that he had done the killings. Speaking in both English and Spanish, Ortiz said that he had become frustrated with the Laredo Police Department's failure to remove, quote, prostitutes unquote from San Bernardo and he had decided to get rid of the women himself who is he to decide yeah who gets to who live the fuck or is die this guy? yeah
0: who, no exactly <laughs> like and and how are they less deserving to breathe the same air as the rest of us mm-hmm. Um, simply because they live differently than you they look differently yeah. than you or think differently than you and he, this
1: guy. he he hangs out with them all the the time, so. What the fuck? Yeah, Hypocrite the fuck? much? Yes. Um,
0: so I hope
1: he burns in hell.
0: <laughs> he <laughs> said that when he drove along San Bernardo Avenue, quote, the monster came out, end quote, and urged him to, quote, clean up, end quote, the avenue by getting rid of the prostitutes whom he called trash, dirty
1: and scum of the earth. Ortiz even admitted that when he aimed his gun at Chelly Hernandez Cantu, she quietly begged him not to shoot, telling him, quote, put your life in God's hands. God will take care of you, mm. Ortiz, unmoved, stared at Chelly and pulled the trigger. More than wow. 150 people attended Chelly's funeral. Wow.
0: It wasn't until Ortiz's confession that the investigators learned about a fourth victim, later identified as Janelle Ortiz. The information about Janelle was volunteered by Ortiz and, quote, surprised us completely, unquote.
1: During his interrogation, Ortiz said that he suffered from PTSD from his deployment in Iraq and that he took prescription medication for depression and anxiety. He claimed that sometimes when he took his medications with alcohol, he would black out. Okay. Not, uh, an not an
0: excuse. Uh, so that same month, a skybox with security cameras was placed along San Bernardo. Security boxes were also put in place in the parking lots of several motels in the area. The, L- the Laredo Police Department said they placed them in specific areas to offer more security to avoid car thefts as well as other crimes. The police assured the community that this was not in reaction to a serial killer.
1: I <laughs> repeat. Uh, uh, bullshit. No, ser- what serial killer? There's no serial yeah. killer. Where's- where's natasha
0: (laughs) leone in poker face when you need her Uh, because that is bullshit (laughs) but uh they quote recognize that there is a problem with prostitution in the area unquote no that's not the problem problem yeah (laughs) um Mm. so uh again
1: i'll get into my takeaways uh let's
0: get into the trial shall we
1: okay The trial was held in San Antonio and took eight days. Prosecutors decided not to seek the death penalty after relatives of the victim said they preferred that Ortiz spend the rest of his life in prison. And Mm. my understanding is that one of the relatives had spent some time in prison and felt that it was a worse fate than death.
0: I really admire this um, desire of the family not to put this man to death. And also, I mean... I wonder if they would have had that um, thought if they themselves didn't have somebody in their midst who had experienced how awful prison prison was. Right. And um, we talk about, Often on our show, like restorative justice, like no matter what happens to him, all these women will never be brought back. Right. But what what is appropriate? And um, I I think they got it right. So defense attorneys painted Ortiz as an Iraq war veteran suffering from PTSD who was drinking and taking pills and had been coerced into a lengthy interview with police. But prosecutors depicted Ortiz as a killer agent, saying in a closing statement, quote, it's terrifying to have the enemy within the ranks of law enforcement, unquote. You think? The call is coming from inside the house. (laughs) And that's what I think about all cops.
1: I could go on. (laughs) Oh, I know you could. Families of the victims attended trial dressed in T-shirts with the faces of the four murdered women on them, at mm. times sobbing through crime scene photos or witness testimony of the killings.
0: Mm. I, I, I can't, can't imagine. even imagine. That must yeah. have been really, really, really hard. One of the trial's most dramatic moments came when Erica Pena... took the stand and recounted the story of how she escaped Ortiz. From the stand, she recounted how Ortiz pointed a gun at her face and, quote, some way, somehow I took off running without a shirt. I'm crying hysterically, unquote.
1: And on December 7th, 2022. So just, you know, a couple months ago. Not
0: very long ago. Yeah.
1: A jury unanimously found Ortiz guilty of capital murder. He was automatically sentenced to life in prison without parole. After the verdict, one one by one, family members of the victims read emotional statements as Ortiz stood a few feet away. Ortiz kept his head down. And when the trial was concluded, he was escorted out of the courtroom by bailiffs. Mm.
0: Speaking of scum of the earth, bye, bitch. (laughs) So now we're going to get into where are they now? Well, we'll tell you. After he was convicted and right before Christmas, Ortiz was sent to a state Penitentiary located five hours away from Laredo and a couple of miles away from Brasoria County.
1: According to Webb County Sheriff Martin Queller, while imprisoned at Webb County Jail, Ortiz was constantly filing complaints with jail staff and with the Texas Commission on Jail Standards.
0: Get out of here. <laughs>
1: He has that Ortiz's complaints were addressed, but were found unsupported.
0: Thank wah, wah, you. Wah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> cry me a fucking river, you piece of basura. <laughs> Uh, so, now we're going to get into our takeaways and what we think made Ortiz snap.
1: What are your thoughts on this case, Beth? Well, when I first started researching this story, I struggled with why the fuck this happened because it's so yeah. weird. Puzzling. Yeah. yeah.
0: He seemed like a nice guy, but. Yeah.
1: People, people who knew him liked him and couldn't imagine that he'd committed these crimes. Right. Um, but my aha moment was when he said that he was frustrated with the Laredo Police Department's failure to remove the prostitutes from San. Bernardo. Mm-hmm. I think it's far more likely that he was frustrated with himself for being unable to stay away from the sex workers.
0: Wow! So he punished them for yeah. his yeah. Failure. If it, Get I, the think, I think fuck out of
1: here. I wow. think somewhere in his mind he thought if he killed them all, then he would be able to stay away or something like that.
0: Yeah. Well, how is that different from? I'm, I'm, maybe this is a stretch, but Roe v. Wade punishing women for yeah, just having it, exactly, vaginas, exactly. yeah, Exactly.
1: You know, Or, um, you know, uh, school and work dress codes where they right. punish women and girls yeah. for what they wear instead wearing of telling men to, when it's to, hot. to uh, you know, keep it to themselves. Keep, shut yeah, the fuck up. control
0: yourself. Control yourself. It's a nice summer yeah. day.
1: I'm wearing this sun dress, you son of a bitch. So it's clear that his family was important to him. Yet he started to frequent the San Bernardo blocks. Uh, why? I don't know. Um, it's obvious that something was going wrong in his life and he was struggling. Mm -hmm. I didn't read anything about things going wrong with his wife and family, but it could have been. I don't know. But there were frequent references to PTSD and his behavior that year as Mm -hmm. he was turning towards alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I think going to San Bernardo was some sort of refuge for him. Sure. Okay. But being religious and a family man, I think he was disgusted with himself. And when he called the women trash, dirty, and scum of the earth, I think that's... That's actually what he thought of himself, and he wanted to rid himself of it.
0: Right. Kill that thing inside yes, of him. exactly.
1: Yes. And now this is just pure speculation on my part. It's not 100%, but it does sound like Melissa Ramirez was the woman Ortiz was calling his girlfriend yeah. and whose photo he showed to his friend. Mm -hmm. I think it's possible that the uh, first murder um, of Melissa occurred maybe because she threatened to tell his wife or Mm. made some kind of a demand on him. Or maybe Mm -hmm. he he just got sick of himself for having a dual life with a wife Mm -hmm. and a girlfriend. Uh, But then once he murdered her, the genie was out of the bottle and then, you know, he just couldn't stop. Couldn't stop himself. I mean, this spree
0: was 12 days in 12. days he became mm-hmm. a serial killer. I can't think of any goal I could complete from start days. to finish in 12 <laughs> days, let alone become a serial killer. So it's just the, 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 the the speed at which this all unfolded right. is um, wild. Um, yeah. And I think um, his mental health definitely contributed um, to yeah. um, his actions. Now, I, it don't matter what these victims' backgrounds were or what their profession was, they did not deserve to have their lives ta- taken. No. Um, and to your point, Beth, about the toxicity of his attitude, this it's giving male toxicity um, mm-hmm. towards women supporting themselves in a manner that he didn't of. Right. Right. And, um, Anyway, I just think it's disgusting. Um, and then I was thinking about the children in the story in general, uh, or in this case in general, because Ortiz had children too, right? Right. Who lost their father um, because of what he did, and the, right. the victims, um, the the women, who all had lots of children, and I just wonder, you know, how they're holding up and grappling with the fact that their moms will never come home, because right. um, um, some of the um, sources I. I uh, l- listened to and watched talked about how young some of their kids were yeah. Um, and little um, kids. Yeah. yeah, little kids. And so my heart goes out to them. Um, and it's interesting how uh, addiction affected Juan David Ortiz's life in a negative way. And his pursuit of help was minimal and that may right. have been because of his ego because he was a man because he was in law enforcement powerful blah 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 eat a dick but the women <laughs> who were who were struggling with addiction were like had a desire to be better right they were trying to be better and they you know it it's just really unfortunate that they didn't get the opportunity and, to keep trying and he and ke- had
1: all, all the advantages all oh, of- the resources yeah. i mean yeah. government health insurance
0: hello right. and right. the va oh my god and these yeah. women
1: were struggling
0: yeah yeah and uh it just seems really unfair and yeah. I, i'm like welling up because it it's so fucked up um everyone kept saying that this man was a wolf in sheep's clothing every single fucking uh case i i or every article and every video was like a wolf in sheep's clothing huh these wolves are described as sheep and they patrol our streets and our borders so how about a wolf in wolf's clothing that's what i think of police (laughs) don't get me started again
1: oh no Um, no don't get me started started
0: <laughs> so um also these uh women they were from vulnerable populations um and uh vulnerable to sexual violence um and this is particularly an issue that affects sex workers especially women of color undocumented folks and trans sex workers and they are often reluctant to go to the police and it perpetuates this violence because the Please do not believe that, that that Juan David Ortiz is the only man in law enforcement who is doing this awful shit. Right, right. Um, and it again it perpetuates um, the cycle of violence because there isn't, there's no um, ramifications, there's no consequences, and it just continues on. Um, and I hate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and uh, you yeah, hate? You're it? not, not going to believe I'm shocked. this. Uh, <laughs> Um, and also, you know, he one source said that he would shoot the victims while they were performing fellatio on him, which hmm. I think is extremely brutal and cowardly and violent. And I just if I haven't said it before, I'll say it again. American culture is violent. Um, and uh, so I just wanted to comment on the brutality of his crimes. I didn't pol-
1: read anything that where they said that.
0: Well, I listened to a podcast which I cited um, okay. in the show notes, uh, and so may- I heard it a couple times. So that's okay. why I'm bringing it up. But either right. way, whether they they were performing whatever on him or not, I think the brutality of the of the crimes is something that's pretty horrific. And then he not only shot them, but then dumped them. Like they right. were garbage, yeah. which um and and it's just it's 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 horrible, um and uh, what else was I said? Uh, a career in law enforcement uh comes with a power trip that seems to attract a certain kind of individual yeah. Yeah. um who really is hungry for power and brutality. And I just think that the culture is um, a problem. And all of these vulnerable populations who were victims in this case will continue to be if, you know, the the culture of public safety, the people who are in charge of it, doesn't change. So
1: yeah, it needs to change.
0: Yes, or go away. Um. <laughs> well, now it's time to talk about how not to get murdered. If you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. Ooh, ah. <laughs>
1: This segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's experiences.
0: Well, 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 if it isn't a how not to get murder tip. Look <laughs> at you. Um, so uh, a couple of things. These are these are throwbacks general, from general. Yeah. yeah, general, general tips. Um, so if possible, wear comfortable clothing when you're walking alone. High heels and tight skirts are hard to run and fight in and scarves and long necklaces are easy to grab and strangle you with. So uh, avoid those if you're alone and you know, you can. Or think through how you would fight in the clothes that you have on. Um, Would you kick off your high heels or hike your skirt up around your hips or run or kick roundhouse or if you if you walk a lot regularly change your walking routine um be alert to who and what is around you don't talk on your phone um keep your hands free by limiting the number of things you are carrying. Maybe use a backpack or a fanny pack. Um, And serial killers, serial boxes, um, serial killers and other criminals often play on the sympathies of unsuspecting people to lure them into dangerous situations. Um, Remember I told you about uh, the dude who, um, he was a confessed rapist and he would intentionally bump into women at the supermarket. Oh, right. And whoever apologized that was that who, was in his one, mind, was yeah. gonna, he was going to get. So if someone asks for the time, directions, or help in or around their car, you can be courteous, but don't get close and keep it moving. You can always help by offering to make a phone call or notify someone else or mind your business. If you find yourself in a situation where someone has a gun on you, experts say that a shooter will only hit a running target four out of every 100 shots. And even then, and it most likely will not be a vital organ. So run if you can, if you can do anything about it, do not let your attacker take you to a different place. You do not want to get to crime scene number two. So do whatever it takes and never give up, um, hit the attacker where it counts the IDs, If it, Bleeds, breathes, or uh what is it? If it breathing or breeding, that's where you that's where you remember those breeding or breathing. So the eyes, the knees, the throat, the groin are very vulnerable and good places to gouge and kick. But listen to your instincts and try to determine if a counterattack by you is the best acro- approach. It may not be, but if you do decide to fight, make sure your first move is as forceful as possible so you can get away. And look, these are not full proof
1: <laughs> no no <laughs> like, they're just they're just uh you know just a just few tips t- it's just a yeah. few
0: tips and it's good things to think about all the time because the world is fucking nuts yeah. anyway now <laughs> it's shout out time where we <laughs> shout out any content by or about people of color or any lgbtq folks or anybody othered or any true crime goodies so boy oh boy i've got quite a few i'm sorry how long are we going
1: <laughs> no we're okay good.
0: Okay. So, um let me start with uh, let's see. The Pretend Podcast. I told you about this before. It's a podcast. Um it's an iHeart podcast, um a true crime podcast, but this specific season is about a stalking a pe- stalking. And these two people approach the host Javier and were like, "We're being stalked and we want to put our story out there." Oh, and wow. he was skeptical, like are you sure? You know, like what if you make the stalker mad? And they're like, yeah, we got to tell our story. So this doesn't happen to anybody else. And um, he, it's 12 episodes. They're all out on Patreon. I don't have his Patreon, but, there's five episodes out in the free feed right now. However, the two people who came to him because they wanted to be on a podcast to allegedly help other potential stalking victims have been indicted on federal oh charges. My God. So go check Whoa. out the pretend podcast. Okay. I mean, that's a, I mean, and I was, I, I mean, he always, he, the whole, time he's like you know i'm subs- a little suspicious but i'm doing my best to be objective he interviews the police he interviews people in their family their friends they hired their own private investigator he interviews that person and most of the people say i believe them i believe they were victims right. um but woo, well the feds okay. think something else okay okay also- <laughs> Remember the 1619 project that was created by Nicole Hannah-Jones? She's uh, an acclaimed, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning New York Times journalist. She created this project marking it 1619 because that was the year that the first black person was taken from Africa and brought to the shores here on the United States. And um, at first it was a a series in the New York Times magazine. Right. Then it was a podcast. We shouted that out. And now it's a 1619 part series on hulu and it is mwah, chef's wow. kiss um cool. it is so it's just it's like a celebration like the most recent episode that came out this last week was about black music from oh, 1619 wow. to now and just how black people put flavor on everything <laughs> including the music and i love it i, I love it. it was just a celebration That's awesome. um so get that on hulu and then um body bags podcast have you ever
1: heard of this and That sounds familiar but uh, go ahead.
0: Okay. So I'm due to do mining my beeswax at work and somebody comes up to me and sees my water bottle that is covered in True Crime podcast stickers, y'all. Um and they're like they don't know I'm Wendy. They just think I'm a podcast True Crime right. podcast fan. So they recommended this Body Bags podcast to me and I Love it. Apparently, this uh, host is also a college professor. And this oh. person at work took their forensic um, oh, wow. class. So it's hosted by Joseph Scott Morgan. And apparently, he's one of the country's leading experts on applied forensics. Oh, wow. And he's on a show that we won't name. It's It rhymes with Clancy Space. And um, he's a frequent contributor on that show. What he does is he leads listeners through blood soaked death scenes of American on in America, then goes he goes into the autopsy room to fully understand the science behind each case. And when Ooh, I say I'm right salivating, your... <laughs> just thinking about it, wow. right down your alley. Woo! Ooh, yes. So what do you got?
1: <laughs> I don't have any great uh, shout outs this week. Sorry.
0: Don't you dare <laughs> say that. I see what you I'm have here sorry. and I'm
1: riveted. <laughs> I've been busy and I haven't really wanted to get any, into anything too heavy. Understood. So I started watching Ginny and Georgia on Netflix. Tell me it's, more about this. It's kind of like a more realistic version of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> oh. Oh, so they're and, not gazillionaires who live in a hotel. No, um, no. Oh. <laughs> Ginny is the daughter, and Georgia is the mom. And Ginny is biracial, mm. and they they move to this rich, very white town. That's mm-hmm. um, so like they live on another planet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the, and the mom is kind of a scammer. So, oh. and they, you get a lot of her backstory, which is okay. like she had a pretty terrible backstory so yeah so far so far i'm enjoying it it's not okay it's not too heavy um yeah and then what's it on it's on netflix okay got you and then also on netflix and this is not content buyer about people of color or a true crime (laughs) goodie okay okay i'm listening it's funny and and i love history Yeah. And as you know. (laughs) Yes, of course. (laughs) And this is a mockumentary about history. So it's supposed to be a history documentary, but it's a mockumentary. It's called kunk on earth huh? and it's it's a very daily show-ish you know when okay. they would have someone uh, interview an expert okay. and all the <laughs> questions are really dumb yeah <laughs> you remember that
0: bit yes oh yeah. yes i love it is it conk so, like conk the like the kunk C- shell
1: c-u-n-k and that's uh so it's a it's a character uh oh okay phil i think philomena kunk is the character it's not the actress's real name okay but i guess apparently um it's a english well she's she's english and i guess this is one of a series of shows that she's done and they're all kind of like this and uh so yeah
0: Oh, I love it. You know, the Brits, uh, sometimes they just do TV better than us. Sorry. Sorry. A lot
1: lot of the times they do. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, okay. I thought it was really funny. Okay.
0: Well, I am on it, adding it to my queue. So that is Pretend Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The 1619 Project on Hulu. Body Bags Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Ginny in Georgia on Netflix. And Kunk on Earth on Netflix. Oh my God. We're here. (laughs) It's time. My heart skipped a beat. No! (laughs) Oh my God. Well, I guess that's the end of the show. Yeah. Beth, in the meantime, I'm going to miss you so much. Mm, me too. I'm going to miss this microphone so much. <laughs> in the meantime, where can the people find us?
1: Our website is fruitloopspod.com and we use Fruit Loops Pod for all of our social media. The footnotes for each episode can be found on our website. Plus, check it out for the different ways that you can support the show and become a Fruit Loops patron. You can also support us by supporting our sponsors or by giving us a five-star review.
0: Yeah. So, this is a Weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look <laughs> alive, y'all. It's crazy out there.